birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. You should do that ASMR. Hello, Zan. Happy Fashion Christmas. Oh, yes. As we press record on Bang On this week, we are watching the Met Gala. Kim Kardashian has just hit the red carpet. We've been delaying today's record mm. because you told me that she had a separate dressing room. And, she was and, yes. and then, yeah, I'm seeing it now and she's just got a gold dress. And <laughs> she's got on. platinum blonde hair, which I guess is the glow up. But it's not that special. It's not gilded, is it? No. Uh, I mean, gold, gilded. Maybe she I mean, thinks she gilded looks beautiful. means gold. She looks beautiful, but I would. You don't need a separate dressing room for that. I reckon you could get that from Dottie or something for Absolutely. sixty bucks. Like that's not a. I mean, she looks lovely, and it's very Marilyn Monroe, and you know, with the jacket and the and the pointy bra underneath. This is we, we are uh, capturing our thoughts live. Which, yeah, this so, is going to be a loose bang on. It yeah. is your place of music, art, life, and stuff. You know that we are your. Fashion correspondence. And this is one of the biggest bangs, bang-ons of the year, which we are coming to you as it happens and early this week because you're about to go off to one of the other biggest fashion events of the oh, year, yes, of course. Eurovision, <laughs> literally boarding a plane in a day's time. So bang-on coming to you a bit earlier today and we find ourselves in the realm of one of the most fun days of the year, the Met Gala. It's happening right now in New York. By the time you hear this... We will be no. <laughs> there will be Sorry, more fashion. Paul and Hanson just walk into the room. So we, um, By the time you hear this, we're going to give you our hot takes as they come thick and fast. And and yeah, we've been waiting for Kim. And I reckon in terms of all of her other previous years, that's okay. Not worth but the not, wait. Like, not worth the wait. This is an artistic event. Let's just remember and remind people of what the Met Gala is all about. Yes. It is a huge event. The first Monday in May where it kicks off the opening of the Fashion Institute at the Metropolitan Museum of Art's new exhibition. So it is about fashion and clothing as art. That's right. And it is the who's who, the list of people that get invited, that get put on certain tables. This is something that is the year before in the making. And you pay a lot of money to go and there's always a theme. Every year there's a theme and this year is, well, the guests have been asked to embody the grandeur and perhaps the dichotomy of Gilded Age New York. Now, the Gilded Age is a period of time, I think, between 1900 to the First World War, Mm. a time when there was extreme wealth but also in the opposite, extreme poverty Mm. as well. It's Um, kind of Age of Innocence. Like if you think about that film, The Age of Innocence, Mm -hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis, Winona Ryder, that's the kind of look that the Gilded Age uh, encapsulated. Yeah, so we've still got – we're still talking frou-frou dresses but a little bit more – a little less of the corsetry perhaps – um, but bit of boob though. Bit of boob. Certainly seeing a bit of boob on the red carpet. A lot of boob. I just had to. B-W-B. We just saw Nicki Minaj walk past, and all of us went, "Oh no!" And then someone else pulled up the top because we could <laughs> see the nipple about to slip out. I love that she's wearing a riding cap as well, like a horse riding cap. What looks to be a leather black horse riding cap with a headband around it. So I imagine her actually riding a horse, wearing that corset <laughs> that she's got. That she would not survive. I know. I've, I'm one of her in that sense. <laughs> And she's in terms of the a, boob spill? Yeah, she's setting herself up for a fall with that one if she's on any kind of pony. But she looks fabulous. Um, I've got to say, I, 
the Gilded Age, there, there is, this is a moment, this is an opportunity to actually really hammer home some ornate dressing. Yeah. Uh, you can go for structure. Mm. You can go for corsetry. You can go for beautiful materials and jewels. And I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm not feeling that a lot of people understood the assignment. As always, interpretation is key and sometimes fails. Billie Eilish does look amazing. She's wearing a Gucci dress with the full corsetry. It's got that lovely, I don't know what the tone is called, but it's kind of like a pale emerald green that Gucci use in a lot of mm. their, what's it called? It's called synth, 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 no. Oh, dear. No idea. My brain's broken today. Yeah. <laughs> but um, just it's it looked beautiful and she really uh, encapsulated the look. Something else that I'm seeing as well is the swimming cap look. Janelle Monet, mm, one of Monet. the early uh, adopters of this with the gorgeous Ralph Lauren sparkled black and white halter neck dress that then continues up the neck and covers the head in a full cap. And there are a lot of caps. How does the cap and the Gilded Age like speak to each other. I'm trying to find the link there. I don't know. I actually don't know. Maybe I mean, is it just a fashion? Look, the look? public pool became a thing in the twenties, <laughs> so there there is a, a perhaps a, tribute to the pool. A tribute to the local pool because you know we've got some beautiful sort of Art Deco pools here in Australia in our gilded age. Yeah, uh, and perhaps that might be a little nod to the local pool and the fact that you can get a packet of chickadees and a and a musk stick. Um, I'm not sure. No one I'm, on this red carpet is smashing chickadees and musk no, sticks. They will later. <laughs> they will later. Yeah, when they know about it. At 10.45. That's right. Um, Telly, who looked absolutely amazing, and she had to because she is considered to be one of the chairs. They have certain people who chair the event mm. this year, and it's, it's Blake Lively. Oh, beautiful. Her dress is astounding. You know what? I was listening because I was watching the red carpet all through this morning as we led up to today's Bang On Record, and... It's interesting to hear. I think that when you see those still shots, you're just seeing a still shot. You're not hearing about the conversation around it. Mm. And we've been long, you know, talking about how fashion is art. It's a work of art. And so understanding the thought and the idea and the context of each piece, I think, is important. And for Blake Lively, it's this kind of incredible um, rose gold and gold Mosaic dress. Almost. And then it's the as the the skirt that flows out behind it becomes this sort of patinaed light teal sort of colour and what it is is it's her tribute to New York so she's the, all of those shapes reflect the Empire State Building and the patinaed effect is what happens to buildings as they age uh-huh. so it's these buildings of possibly the Gilded Age possibly a little bit later maybe the end of the Gilded Age and then what's happening as they age represented in a dress which I just think is beautiful and it looked so beautiful the colours that rose that gold and that sort of greeny colour teal which just looked amazing didn't incredible. they incredible incredible and in the opposite we've got Riz Ahmed I don't know if you've seen loved what, his yeah what he's wearing but what he's done is the absolute opposite he's got a pair of boots um, a functional pant and a functional shirt unbuttoned with a white singlet underneath and he said this is an homage to the immigrant workers who kept the Gilded Age going. Love it. There's a little bit of I guess social and political commentary happening on the red carpet too and it's fun to see Vanessa Hudgens who's one of the red carpet people respond to that after he said that he's like we just need to give a shout out to the immigrant workers. She sort of just paused and went Amazing! (laughs) Which is the exact same response she gave to Amy Schumer, who brought a climate justice activist with her and gave basically the platform to her to speak about her work, which was incredible. And Vanessa also was like, 
Amazing. <laughs> but the other thing that Amy said, who was... I want that job where you don't have to actually respond to anything other than with amazing. Someone in your ears is going, just keep it moving, yeah. just keep it moving. Um, Amy Schumer, always very, very funny in every situation, but um, she was after her friend who was the climate justice activist um, explained what she was doing. It just went back to Amy. She's like, I'm just here for the drinks. And then when she was asked what the Gilded Age meant to her, she said, I don't know, a vibrator? (laughs) I love her. I love her Um, so much. Have you seen Gigi Hadid and her outfit? Was that the black leather one? No, this was the burgundy puffer jacket. Oh, Bella was wearing the black. Extreme puffer. I think that's, that's a look for the ages. Well, you know what? The puffer thing also was living large on Jordan Roth, who I've got to admit, I had to Google. He's a a, a producer on Broadway, mm-hmm. and he had this industrial goth puffer skirt going on. So he had like a suit and a beautiful kind of oh, high yes. hair, and then he had a removable structured skirt, which I can only describe as puffer in its its vibe. Um, and he absolutely owned the red carpet early on as well. Mm, I'm, I'm here for that. Look, I've just come across him again. That is magnificent. Um, who else do you think has stood out? Jared Leto. Always the king of the Met Gala. Always. Just amazing. Oh, and, and it's kind of some sort of... It's hard to explain. It looks like something out of a sci-fi movie, but in actual fact, I think it it's, looks more like that. You know that string art from the 70s. You'd often get those pictures on a wall where people would whack a nail in. Whack a nail in and then put a thread of cotton around it and do some sort of graphic string art. I feel like that's been his inspo for his outfit this year. Holy Um, shit. Very impressed with that. It looked like an Iris Van Helpen who makes all of those kind of laser cut out incredible dresses and I'm sure that I saw some other Iris Van Helpen. But I was also thinking if it's Jared, surely he's wearing Gucci. Like he lives in the Gucci vibe. He just starred in the Gucci movie. But it didn't look like Gucci. I feel like he's moved on. You know, you've got to to share it around. (laughs) And if ha- you are the king of the Met Gala red carpet, you need to share the love. Yeah, and and look, House of Gucci, the film wasn't as successful as perhaps I thought it would be. Yeah, uh, and so also, he's moving forward. And I feel like Lady Gaga's moving forward too, but she didn't get the memo either. She's wearing something that looks like it's out of uh, Rococo age. It's it's the wrong era. She's googled the wrong era. It's the wrong era. She's got a ruffled collar. Um, I'm just no, mate. No, it's not right. Love you, not right. Tessa Thompson was wearing Iris Van Helpen, not necessarily a laser cutout, but what is looks like a kind of frosted pink froof. I'm going to steal from the Guardian Live blog because I think they put it best. They said, it's Romy and Michelle at the front, Disney princess at the back, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. It that has just good. wound up. I'm looking at it now and they're wrapping it up now. We've been watching for three hours to bring you um, the Met Gala because we are your fashion you know, correspondents. You know who it's missing this year, though? Who? Rihanna. Oh yeah. She's always Oh my god, a and imagine highlight. she she's been really rocking the pregnant belly fashion as well. She would have absolutely nailed it, but she must be very close to to delivering a child. Yeah, you'd you'd think so, but that would be great on the carpet too, wouldn't it? If that happened. If she gave birth, <laughs> much like Björk gave birth to eggs on the Oscar red carpet, if Rihanna and ASAP Rocky actually gave birth. On the Met Gala. Oh, now that would that would be something. Truly, the birth of a new fashion movement. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Look, I I think in summation, some good looks, <laughs> <laughs> some good looks. But it's been a couple of years. We need. I think we could have tried a little bit harder, everybody. 
Erica Badu always comes through. I will leave True. you with this. If you do one thing today, Google what Erica Badu wore. All I can say is quilted cat in the hat is the vibe that she was looking for, <laughs> and she absolutely nailed it. Isn't that her life vibe anyway? <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's got a real Dr. Zeus vibe, doesn't she? Amazing. Before we move on from Met Gala, you pointed me towards a really interesting article that is around this first Monday in May, which is the name of a brilliant documentary. If you've never watched it, I love fashion documentaries. But if you've ever wondered about the Met Gala and what goes into it, watch a doco called First Monday in May. But in the lead up to this, there is a new book coming out called Anna, which will be a biography on Anna Wintour, who has been at the helm of Vogue for 34 years. 34 and, and now she's that's at rare, the helm. isn't it? It is. It's rare, and it's 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 an incredible achievement. But I think there are a lot of questions swirling around about how she's maintained that position. She's now the head of uh, well, she's sort of the figurehead of Condé Nast Publications now. So it's not just Vogue. She is in charge of a whole bunch of publications mm. and has an immense power and has continued to wield that immense power. So. There are a lot of questions about how she does it and why she does it and whether or not you could possibly even opt out of that power. And a couple of the fashion designers have... Oh, you mean like a fashion designer as in a label can opt out of that power and not play the game? Not play the game and what that world would be like. Uh, It's brought up in this article by Edward Helmore, what that world would be like if if you just decided to opt out Mm. of that game and didn't attend the Met Gala. Because people have succeeded outside of that, you know. Yeah. They've they've been able to succeed outside of those traditional structures. Yeah. And look, to be honest, it's nice to see on the the carpet different types of bodies now. Like Mm. there's a real distinct change. There's a lot of normal bodies as opposed to the the almost alien perfection of – unreal perfection of of the models that that turn up on the red carpet as well. So that's a wonderful change. But I do wonder about – we talk a lot about gatekeepers and we talk a lot about who has power, who has control. Uh, I still feel like there's a lot of power being wielded by one woman, mm. one very privileged white woman, mm. even though she's certainly branched out over the years and and, and Vogue has begun to deal with a, a lot of the problems it refused to face for a long time in terms of putting different types of bodies in the magazine, uh, different skin colours, all sorts of things like mm. that. But they still haven't really addressed it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, as much as I love the Met Gala, I, I do feel like it's a bit – still has that bitchy high school girl vibe. <laughs> it really does. Oh, you get invited. No, you don't. And then the ones that finally do get invited, like Kim Kardashian, all just buy into it anyway. Yeah. As if it never happened, as if she was never isolated. Because you're inside. And alienated because, you know, she was never invited. She was Kanye's plus one when she wore that floral Ricardo Tishi dress and she was just absolutely hammered. And I thought she looked amazing. Yeah. But she was completely isolated and alienated after that uh, and has kind of clawed her way back up and now she's she's the queen of the Met Ball. But it's, it's still got a hint of it, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think that also that, that, like, that power that Anna Wintour holds on to, who knows – who she is and what she's like because, you know, we've we've seen the Miranda Priestley version of Anna Wintour in The Devil Wears Prada, however that's, you know, loosely based on her or whatever. Mm. Um, Andre Talley has talked about, you know, the late great Andre Talley has talked about her kindness, you know, and, and how that's not seen. But one of the things that the author of this new biography, Anna, 
um, has said. She's actually a New York magazine writer called Amy O'Dell, and she's penned this book. And she said that, you know, a bright cloak of mythology is an essential part of Anna's power. You know, she's she's kind of cool. She could cut through the bullshit, make a decision, and they'd listen to her, as in people around her. She somehow had the right personality for that job and managing that process. And I think you do have to be a certain personality mm. type and you do have to hold a bit of mystery. You can't let people in. And if you think about how mysterious, even though we know a lot about Anna Wintour, there's a lot we don't know and that is absolutely intentional. Even mm. seeing her at the start of the red carpet today, she appeared at the very beginning as the chair of the um, of the organisation and she was, as it streamed live on Vogue, her masthead, she was only shot from the side. You literally saw her bob and a little bit of a tip of her mm. nose and that's it. She just wasn't shot. You could, literally couldn't see her face as she was talking. Oh, now that's like peak mystery <laughs> going gives, on right there. See, part of me goes, that she's just giving us nothing. That's like, you know. But she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to. That's true. And but I think she might on. be terrifying too. I don't know. I still can't. I'm still not totally sold on the cult of Anna. Whatever you feel, my homework, my bang on homework for you this weekend is to watch First Monday in May because it, it is amazing if you want a good fashion documentary. And we have a do, 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 fashion breaking, breaking news, news from our bang babe, Caitlin, who has been, while we've been just talking shit slash commentating on fashion, mm. um, has gotten a bit more intel on Kim Kardashian's dress, which we poo-pooed. You called it Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn. Literally, it's Marilyn's dress. It is her dress that, that she wore when she sang... Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. Should do that ASMR recording. That was beautiful, Zan. Um, yeah, she's wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress, uh, and I picked it by the boobs because pointy bra, pointy bra, very, very 1950s. 1950s. Uh, and also, that was not Jared Leto wearing a string art. Um, Mag- magical piece of work that is, in fact, somebody else entirely uh, what? confused. What? Yeah, self-proclaimed fashion addict and entrepreneur Frederick Robertson what? has been mistaken for Jared Leto. <gasps> He's a Swede. He arrived on the red carpet and can only be described as a sea creature-inspired look. It says here. Oh my god! Mm. So that, which just explains why he wasn't wearing Gucci. Because exactly. it wasn't Jared. <laughs> Suddenly, some little sub editor is just going in and updating so many websites right now because oh. that was one amazing outfit. He does look a lot like him, though. He does. That's great. Hey, onwards to other things. Bang On is your place for music, art, life, and stuff. And there's a lot of stuff this week. You shared another great piece from Maggie Martin's in The Atlantic mm. uh, about women naming their babies after themselves. And man, this was a great piece to read because it's another one of those moments where I was like, Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I don't think about how there's John Jr. all the time, but there's not, you know, Joanne Jr. No. Like, and that's really weird. But the trend is changing, isn't the it? The trend is changing. And I, I, I showed you this piece not because I think it's actually a good idea because I feel I'm very much you are your own person. You are not, you are not your parents. You are a product of your parents, but you become your own individual person. And and it seems to me very traditional to give the same name as, say, the father and the firstborn son. It seems mm. very traditional and patriarchal and whatever. But there are actually women who are now appropriating this to their own family lineage and naming their daughters after themselves, but giving it a feminist bent and saying, well, it's 
it's just something I want to do because this is how it's not been. And then they get to choose whether whether or not they keep it down the it's track. It's a working title yeah. of a name and you can, you know, use it. I, my very first boyfriend, the guy that I first fell in love with was, um, his name was, uh, he took his father's name, but he went by his second name. I'm not going to say what his name is because well, you can't talk about him. No, my first love. <laughs> Who was it? Sam? And here's his address. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, well, my dad's the same. His dad's name is Abel, and he was named Abel, but he went with his second name, which was Edward. Yeah. So perfectly normal to name your firstborn after the father. Which I, I still think it's the whole thing's freaking weird, to be honest. So but, many names in the world as well. Lost uh, opportunity. I know. And it, and having done something recently that is involving ancestry, it's very difficult to kind of get your head around when everyone's got the same name. Yeah. Well, that's a point that the article makes too, that naming a daughter after a mother isn't actually a modern phenomenon, that mm. in some cultures this goes back centuries, like in Ireland and several other European countries, it was pretty commonplace to name the first daughter after the maternal grandmother, the second daughter after the paternal grandmother, the third daughter after the mother. So you just have, you know, in an Irish family tree, a shit ton of Mary's, Kathleen's and Margaret's. (laughs) Um, Hence, you're talking about going back into sort of ancestry. Um, And in Spain as well, it's a a similar sort of thing. But I think it's kind of interesting to think about names. And I know that's like uh, another uh, conversation that is runs very strong about when people are thinking about surnames, about do you hyphenate? You know, I've got friends that um, the kids have taken uh, the, the mother's names because in their word, I freaking carried it for nine months, mm. taken my name. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, the, the first name as well is a whole other barrel of fish. And I think that just the fact that we don't even think about it or we f- sort of balk at it and go, hang on, you can't do that, shows our own, you know, internalised um, patriarchal thinking. Yeah. It's like this because it's always been like this. It's always been like And, and what if we flip it? Oh, hang on, easier. isn't it weird? Isn't the whole idea weird to begin with? Yeah. Why did, why did the guys get to have the name? I don't understand that at all. I've got friends who actually combined both of their names and made up a whole new one. So it wasn't like, you know, Kathleen Taylor Smith. Mm. They came up with Tay Smith. Yeah. The, their child's name is, you know, such and such, Tay Smith. It's great. I like that. But Mash then, up. But then also where's – how do we document that history? Where do we, Are we just making it all more complicated for ourselves? The internet. Yeah. I just, when you said, how do we document the history, I just imagined you rolling out a giant scroll of paper, <laughs> which is something that my parents, my mum goes to like our ancestors' family reunion every couple of years and she showed me there's like a scroll of paper where they write things in oh, and the family beautiful. tree. Like, God, you never want that to fall into a fire, do you? No, just you don't. Like, oh my God. I hope you've got photos of that. That's <laughs> pretty incredible. I hope you digitise that from the microfiche. <laughs> The microfish. <laughs> Remember the microfish? What are the microfish? Oh, my God, you're too young. The little things that eat your clothes? No. <laughs> what are you microfish talking about? Microfish is like a, a library tool, a research tool. You would get a tiny little, it was almost like an x-ray of everything. It was really tiny. Oh, and you so put it in the, old newspapers in the, in the light box? Are, are quite often were quite often preserved via microfish. And you put it in the light box and you sort of... You move it around Scroll so you it. can find the article, and very—it's—it's it's probably a very, very gilded age of you to mention it is that. Very gilded age, isn't it? Probably a very nineteen eighties way. Maybe of Maybe you should, research. if you were to hit the Met Gala red carpet, I'd you just could come go as a microfiche. As a microfiche. <laughs> microfiche, or just a librarian. Really, I mean, they're very much of the gilded age too, aren't they? Phenomenal. I love librarians. Before we get into our bang on, and you want to stick around for this. <laughs> 
Thank you for sharing with me a... <laughs> Sorry, that was a cackle, wasn't it? <laughs> a new, um, very briefly, a new uh, toy. Um, it's it's a ball dildo or a baldo. And this, like, first of all, I'm curious how you found this and okay. what your Google search results are showing. No, 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 no. What, no, no, what no. is a baldo? Okay, this was, it's featured on Wired. There's an article on Wired, but I came across it. Maybe about a month ago, I, I'm a subscriber to a design newsletter, have been for a long time, called Design Daily. They have beautiful architecture, they have beautiful design. I look at it every day. And, of course, one day up on Design Daily came the Baldo. Now, the Baldo, I've gone, oh, this is interesting. What's going on here? <laughs> And what it is, is utilising, and I don't even know how to say this without it sounding particular. You've got to read it exactly as it listed. That's the only way you can describe it. Okay. A new era in sex has arrived, reads the product text. We've created the world's first sex toy that will allow you to penetrate your partner with your balls and, <laughs> and unleash pleasure that you've never experienced before. And when you see it, they've got a model. So there's a there's a penis hanging over, but then somehow the... the the testicles, there's two rings that are sort of encircling it and then there's this almost reverse dildo thing that goes around the testicles and apparently that's how you do it, like downwards. <laughs> I, look, I don't know. I, have I not- want to meet the person who thought, I've got an idea and decided to explore <laughs> this this concept of the baldo. The baldo, but it's be- it looks beautiful too. It's it's quite well designed, oh, and it's I think very that's nice. that's why it's captured the the design. Looking forward world. to seeing that at the V and A Museum <laughs> soon. <laughs> see, see it at the Venice Biennale. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going just going over to the baldo, uh, the baldo wing. Um, this is where it all began. And someone's tried out the baldo. Oh, good. What at, are the reviews? On the what the re- reviews were. Um, here we go. Actually using the Baldo, however, was a terrible experience. I can recommend to no one. (laughs) (laughs) And looking at it, you say yes. But I have to tell you a funny story about when I I discovered this. I was just looking at it on Dazeen and then I went out for dinner with a friend and and another friend who I didn't really know very well. And then, of course, we're having a discussion about something. I said, oh, I'll just look it up on the internet, won't I? And so I opened the page. (laughs) Oh, my God. And the Baldo came up on the page as the home page Holy on shit. my phone, and I was mortified, <laughs> utterly mortified. No, Did you acknowledge? No, just moved on. Just moved on. <laughs> but yes, according um, to the actual Baldo makers, it results in a form of orgasm so new and different that it will take years for the possibilities of ball sex. <laughs> and the associated ballgasm to be truly understood. So that reviewer was an early adopter and just doesn't get it, Miff. Doesn't get Try it. Try the Baldo now. Doesn't get it. Endorsed by Bang On. <laughs> I'm just looking at our Bang Babe, Caitlin, and she looks confused yeah. and a little bit upset. I'm, I think I'm she's Googled the Baldo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what? Hang on, what? Because you do look at it and go... You, you, the mind's got to take a couple of extra steps to figure out how it works. We'll put that in the show notes so that you can um, enjoy that process just as much as we did this week. Yeah, we've had a nice time looking at that, haven't we? We've had a very nice time. <laughs> i tell you what, before we get out of here, had a great time on Friday night. Last time we met, we were one day away from joining forces on Spicks and Specs. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you were the best. It oh was God, so, so fun. fun. It was so fun and it was so nice to bring this world into that world for me. You know when you, you know, work worlds, 
sometimes they merge and sometimes they don't. Yeah. It's just lovely to have you there. And, and yeah, we can't say what happened in the game, but just know that, yeah, we killed it. <laughs> yeah, of course we did. When I came on set and tested the buzzer, I cannot tell you what a thrill that gave me. I was like, woo! <laughs> power. Did you have fun? I had the best time. Yeah. I it was, you know, like all TV shows it it, it takes a lot longer than to film it than what you see, but I could have stayed there for twice as long. Oh, that's so good. Um I just had such a great time. So yeah. thank you for having me. It was an honor to be part of the new series and you'll be seeing that later on this year. Later on this year. I'm not sure when, probably October November I would suggest. It's been a really busy time for both of us. You're mm. about to head off to Eurovision. I've got some other projects on the boil that I'm kind of juggling at the same time as everything when else. When can we talk about those projects? Um, soon. Soon. In the next month or so. But what I'm leading to is that... Um, what are you banging on about? I've got, nothing. <laughs> I got nothing this week and it is a paddle steamer week. I've not been consuming culture. I've been in. creating culture. Creating culture. I am, who- I am the culture this week, so I've got nothing to bang on about. You are the culture. That's the thing. And for those who've just tuned in, the Paddle Steamer Week is a week I had nothing and I went to Uchuka and I got on a Paddle Steamer and I banged on about that. <laughs> so it's okay. You're allowed to have those weeks. Some weeks are just Paddle Steamer Weeks. Yeah. That's the sound of a paddle steamer. Remember when you banged on about how lovely it is to see the world through the ears of a horse when you went horse riding? That was another <laughs> oh, another highlight bang on too. Yeah, that's a good one. I can tell you this though, next bang on, in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. when you're back from Torino, yeah. Italy, Eurovision, you better believe you're going to have stuff to bang on about. I'm going to have so much to bang on about. But I, I, I think I can bang on about the Eurovision lineup this year uh, because... It's kind of back to how Eurovision used to oh, be. Oh, good. And yeah. we're probably going to see some much better fashion than we did at the Met Gala. Well, maybe. Although there's a real dearth of the white dress this year. So we haven't, we're have we missing some big bangers in white dresses right. with wind machines. But a lot of the countries have gone back to singing in language, Great. which is very, very European. And there's a couple of songs in there that are so bad that I feel I feel replenished. <laughs> I feel like this is the Eurovision... I fell in love with. There's one, I won't say who, but you'll see it. There's one about um, eating salad and the environment and how it's good for you. Okay. And it's possibly the worst song I've ever seen. Um, and it'll probably go through. Um, there's there's actually some really good songs and there's some really bad songs. You can make friends with salad. <laughs> I know. And I, I'm happy about that because, yeah, to me that's part of Eurovision. When, yeah. when they get it so wrong it's right and there's a lot of that this year. So that's that's what I'm going to bang on about. Okay, next weekend you'll see it on SBS as always. Eurovision mm. brought to you by Bang On Zone, Miff Warhurst and Joel <laughs> Creasy. I cannot wait for the reveal of your outfit. It will stop traffic. It it's will. friggin' amazing. Mm. Um, and we'll see you on the other side of it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. I'll miss you, though. Wish I could pack you in my bag. I wish I could be packed in your bag. I'm going on a plane. Eat all the pasta for, for me, please. For 24 hours and I'm going to be in Italy. <gasps> Va bene. Oh. So excited. If you're not coming back in Versace, <gasps> then you're doing it wrong. Well, Cardi B... She's oh my god, Cardi B! We forgot to mention Cardi B. She, she had the Gilded Age. She had the Gilded Age. She was basically Versace just is the Gilded jewels. Age. She's wearing gold, yeah. gold bullion, yeah. essentially all over, and she looked incredible. And I imagine she's probably once you wear those sort of dresses, you can't wear them again. So I'll be I'll <laughs> melting be, it down and using it to fund my travels. Yeah, or just scoping out Donatella while I'm there, and in the hope that, that maybe I can find it out in a skip bin out, behind <laughs> the, out the back and bring it back. Lots to talk about in a couple of weeks. I'll see you then. See you then. Bye. Happy trails. Thank you. Bye.
Now, Bang Fam, we want to let you know that one of our favourite podcasts is back and it's, I've got to say, steamier than ever. Ooh. Our mate Yumi Steins, our beautiful mate Yumi Steins, host of Ladies We Need to Talk, is here in the Bang On studio. Hey, hey Yumi. Hey, Zan. Hey, Miff. Hey, Bang Fam. And hey, all owners of Baldos. <laughs> We've really pushed sales up. We really have. (laughs) But Yumi, there is something a little different about this new season of Ladies We Need to Talk. Yeah, it's a little bit the reason I wanted to tell you about it is because we're turning the raunch up to 11, 11 out of 10. Um, and taking a long, hard look at sex. A long, hard look, you say, Yumi. Mm-hmm. I hear that you visited a swingers club for a sex party for this series. Can you tell us about that? It was a sunny Sunday. I had my kids with me, so I dropped them off at my <gasps> mate's house <laughs> and then just popped around the corner. It was literally around the corner from my friend's house. <laughs> this swingers club, three levels of dark atmosphere where anything goes. Wow. And as soon as I went in there, my heart started pounding. Like I I felt excited. Like I just felt like I couldn't breathe and, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And it was genuinely exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Also on Ladies We Need to Talk, we're going to open up the conversation on sex and the D word, which is not the D word you might be thinking about. It's Mm -hmm. D for disability. For me, as a person with one arm, can I just say... Um, common misconception is that I, and we're jumping in the deep end, that I use my stump during sex, if you know what I mean. I'm stumping people. That's what people ask me. They're like, you're putting it in people's butts? And I'm like, no. What other saucy stuff have you got for us? Well, we meet three women who have traded in their shitty sex lives and upgraded to have mind-blowing, like... Hair crackling, toe curling, next level sex. You buried the lead, Yumi. That's what I want to hear about. (laughs) How do we do it? It would appear that female ejaculation is a very real thing that happens to me. Um, I had to text my girlfriends one night and be like, squirting, that happens. Either that or I have just pissed the bed while I was having sex. What's our take? Could everyone please just do a quick Google? That sounds hot. You can find Ladies We Need to Talk in your ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Yumi. Thanks so much, Yumi. Thanks, ball, ball baggers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that.